Gideonte, everyone. Itai's father's song begins, Yihiratzon. May the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart, Yihiratzon, if it be your will, Yihiratzon, a plaintive, contingent expression, if it be your will. In a moment, we will be ready for Yizkor, the prayer that honors the memory of those who have passed away. At the heart of this long day of rehearsing our own death, a day where the living dress in shrouds and fast from drink and food and in all their ways emulate a day of death. This moment, achingly, embracing the pain and reality, is the center. In many ways, the Yisker, though recited by the few who remain in most synagogues, represents a ritualized recognition of today's Torah reading that we discussed. Though the reading was primarily about the elaborate and intricate eth- uh, cultic rites of the Yom Kippur service, the reading began after the event, as I said, acharei mot, after death. Acharei mot is a reality for many of you today. As you arrive at perhaps your first discor after the loss of a loved one, or return to this place of acharei mot as you observe a yurtzeit. The pain and the grief that accompany that loss is a fundamental part of Yom Kippur. And yet the music, the melodies of this day are beautiful. Shir Yaakov and Itai and all of these musicians, how beautifully they tuck and pull at our heartstrings. Haunting and evocative music that brings to mind past years, past Yom Kippur's. Perhaps for many of us, the most primitive of memories, memories, these melodies, these strains, and these songs. These are our collective songs of life. These songs remind us we are still here. But perhaps more accurately, these are also songs of brokenness. For what is Yom Kippur if not a day of winning by losing? A day of broken tablets that that we can only pray will have the power to evoke divine compassion. The Torah tells us that after he had shattered the first tablets, it was on Yom Kippur that Moses ascended the mountain a second time, alone and anguished, hoping for a second chance yearning for a renewed covenant, amended and healed relationship with God, with the source of life. And it is on Yom Kippur. The tradition tells us that we too make this solitary climb alone. We who seek God's forgiveness and each other's and maybe a second chance. Like Moses, we come with a breaking heart. Bearing broken tablets too. Our mistakes, our sense of impotency, 
our failures of love and responsibility that testify to our broken state. Our tradition suggests a pathway to reestablishing alignment, to getting that second chance, teshuvah, true repentance or return. Maimonides defines teshuvah in three steps. One, the first step is to recognize our wrongdoing. We made a mistake. Oops. Two, we make restitution to those whom we've hurt. We go over, we say, I hurt you. How can I, how can I fix this? And three, we sincerely resolve to do better next time. According to Maimonides, Tshuva is not just a hollow exercise. It's a total transformation. A complete cutting off from the past. So much so, says the Rambam, Maimonides, that when one achieves complete tshuva, Maimonides says, it's as if one has become a new person. I ask you this morning, is Maimonides right? Do we really become new people? It is possible to forgive, maybe, maybe forget. To let go of all the hurts we caused as well as those we endured. Is it really possible? Can we ever erase the past and move on unburdened to the future? The answer is probably not. Because in truth, life inevitably leaves its mark on all of us. And Midrash relates that as Abraham stood ready to sacrifice his son, he began to weep. And one tear fell directly from Abraham onto Isaac's cheek, leaving a scar that would never heal. Like Isaac, each of us carries scars of our most painful moments. Each of us carries an akedah, a tear that was shed, aching memories etched into our souls. So it was for Isaac's son, Jacob, too. Jacob wrestled with a divine being and prevailed and was given the name Yisrael, but he was, never, he was forever changed. During the encounter, his thigh was wrenched from its socket, leaving him permanently disabled. For the rest of his life, Jacob walked with a pronounced limp. And so it is for us. The trials we endure are etched into us indelibly. Like Isaac, life's scars are written all over our faces. Like Jacob, the battles we wage, even those we win, take their toll on all of us, emotionally and physically. Like Moses, we carry fragments of our broken tablets with us all the days of our lives. What are the fragments we carry with us? Some of the mistakes that we've made, most of them are listed or alluded to in the Al-Khayt that we recited before. There are times that we fail to hold up our end of a bargain or broken faith or trust with others or slandered or failed to follow through and complete what others needed, or stepped on toes to get what we wanted. Some of the broken tablets we carry are memories of times when others hurt us, times when others took advantage of our vulnerability, 
our weakness or allowed us to take their fall or impugned our honor or dignity. Some of the broken tablets we carry are not artifacts of human error, but the pain generated when bad things just happen. A diagnosis of a life-threatening illness, a sudden tragedy, becoming unemployed or underemployed, mourning a failed relationship, experiencing our children's pain and knowing we can't fight their battles or solve their problems. Sometimes there's no one to blame and no one to apologize to. At such moments, our broken tablets weigh us down and the question on our lips is not, why me? But how will I go on? Rabbi Yosef Soloveitchik, whom I quoted last night, the great 20th century Orthodox thinker, he was known simply as the rabbi, the Rav. He endorsed Maimonides' ideas about repentance but disagreed with one point. Even when Shuva is successful, we never become new people. He writes, on the Day of Atonement, we are not bidden to tear out pages from the Book of Life. The past cannot be erased. We are who we are, and we bear the signs of every past encounter and experience. Now think for a moment. I know everybody, it's the middle of the day. And trust me, I've been standing for three and a half hours. But isn't that true? Isn't it true that we bear those places? Isn't it true that friends who battled cancer and thank God had their cancer pronounced free, that they were cancer free? Is the cancer survivor ever the same? And for that matter, can any of us who has faced one of life's difficult challenges emerge unscathed? Those who have passed through the valley of the shadow of death know that we forever, we are forever after carrying those broken tablets. This is true when we mourn the death of a loved one. The pain and sense of loss never go away entirely. As some of you here today have told me personally, I lost my parents, my child, my siblings, 20 years ago, and a day doesn't go by that I don't think of them. For the mistakes we committed or for those committed against us, the traditions of tshuva suggest a response. And yet those shivrei luchot, those broken tablets, can weigh us down. So what do we do with those broken tablets, everyone? An answer begins to take shape when we consider the fate of the Torah of those first set of tablets. The Gemara, the Talmud asks, whatever became of those tablets that were smashed by Moses? And the answer the Gemara gives, the Talmud says, the broken tablets were placed in the ark along with the second intact set of tablets. Luchot v'shivrei luchot munachim ba'aron Luchot v'shivrei luchot munachim ba'aron. The broken tablets and the whole ones were in the same ark. 
that the broken tablets were not thrown away or buried but preserved confirms that our past is forever a part of us. And that shuvah then is not about throwing it away. We don't throw away our brokenness. Moreover, the broken tablets are preserved in the Holy Ark signals to us that brokenness itself is a normal, perhaps even sacred part of the human condition. Brokenness is not a curse or a punishment. It's the cost of being alive. The price for being created with free will is that we will make mistakes. We will break tablets. We don't have to feel good about that. But we should never confuse who we are with the mistakes that we make. We should never confuse who we are with the mistakes that we make. The mistakes we make are the one thing. The lives that we build are another. Grief and fragments, wholeness and healing often work together. Mourning the past and allowing our loss to sear into us and learning to forgive are each essential to our spiritual well-being. Recognizing our heart's natural vulnerability encourage us to hold both our pain and our potential. We live and we breathe, we live and we grieve. We live and we go on, cycling and spiraling through the seasons of grief as time invites us to heal. Luchot v'shivrei luchot munachim ba'aron. The tablets and the broken tablets were placed in the ark. We experience our brokenness. It doesn't make us less holy. It doesn't make us less worthy. In fact, experiencing our brokenness may make us more human. It may enable us to reach higher than we ever did before. The Talmud's discussion of that broken tablets continues. The Talmud says, how were the two sets of tablets arranged in the ark? How, did they, how were they set here in this ark, says the Talmud. Oh, the Talmud answers, the broken tablets were set at the bottom of the ark, underneath the whole tablets. The broken tablets were the foundation of the whole tablets, a steady base. The brokenness we experience is really the foundation for the rest of our lives. Our task is not to jettison the past, but to build it. That's hinted to by the word kippur. Kippur means to forgive, but it also means to cover over, to layer over. Our task is to lay over those places that are broken with new things. A past of dishonesty and lying can be laid over and built into a future of honesty and integrity. A past of slander and gossip can be yom kippur. It can be covered over with a future of discretion. A past of disrespect towards parents and teachers can be followed by a future of honoring and revering them. And as we overlay our experiences day after day, month after month, year after year, the new layers reduce the sting of what lies beneath. So what it is, is an absolute paradox. 
The great paradox of Yom Kippur is that sin and transgression are the very things that distance us from God, in fact, have the potential to bring us even closer to God. The Talmud asserts that in the place of a truly repentant person, even the most righteous can't stand. Even a holy, righteous person can't stand in the place of brokenness. Because the truly repentant person has come face to face with his Yetzer, she understands the creative energies within her that compels her to create a fuller, richer life. And herein lies the dialectical dimension of sin. That which serves to sever us from God can also lead us to the highest peak. Naomi Remen, who is a physician who uses art and meditation. Some of you know Naomi Remen's work. She tells a story about work with a cancer patient, a young man who was 24 years old. One of his legs had been amputated at the hip in order to save his life from bone cancer. And when she began her work with him, he had a great sense of injustice and a hatred for all of those healthy people. It seemed bitterly unfair to him, he said, that he had suffered this terrible loss so early in his life. His grief and rage were so great that it took several years of continuous work with him to begin to come out of himself and to heal. He had to heal not simply his body, but also his broken heart and his wounded spirit. He worked hard and deeply, telling his story, painting it, meditating, bringing his entire life into awareness. And as he slowly healed, he developed a profound compassion for others who suffered severe physical losses like his. He visited them in the hospital. And on one occasion, he told his physician he had visited a young singer who was so depressed because she had lost both of her breasts and she would not even sing any longer. She couldn't even bring herself to sing. She was so angry and so sad. And so one day he walks into the hospital and the radio is playing. And it was a hot day. And this young man, he'd come in his running shorts and she wouldn't pay any attention to him. She sat there sulking, angry, refusing life. Finally, he was desperate to get her attention, this young man, and so he, he took off his prosthesis. And he began to dance around the room on one leg. He snapped his fingers to the music. And she looked at him in amazement. And then she burst out laughing and she said, Man, if you can dance, I can sing. If you can dance, I can sing. If you or anyone here has ever gotten an email from me, you know that on the bottom of my emails I have one of my favorite quotes from the poet Mark Nippo. He writes, It doesn't have to be pretty or smart, just honest and true. For many a dance starts with a trip, and many a song begins with a cough. Man, if you can dance, I can sing.
In a half hour from now, we will be standing together reciting the Unetane Tokef prayer. We repeat three times during the high holidays, who will live and who will die. It anthropomorphically depicts God as the divine accountant, pouring over the books, determining our fate. And we translate the end of that beautiful prayer But prayer, repentance, and tzedakah and righteousness avert the bitter decree. A more accurate translation would be, but prayer, repentance, and tzedakah soften the bitterness of the decree. Our ancestors were wise. They understood that we have little control about what happens to us in life. But they also understood that we have much more control over how we respond. How we hold our broken tablets and how we rest our whole tablets on top of them reaching ever higher is the question each and every one of us lives with every day. Man, if you can dance, I can sing. There was a great modern mystic from Montreal The Rebbe, Rebbe Leonard Cohen. Man, we got to bring them in too, right? All of those people now who are going to help out and to save, we got to bring them in. They're part of the brokenness. Leonard Cohen once wrote, There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. He penned another poem, which we really, he calls a prayer. And that prayer poem Yihiratzon, if it be your will. As we began, Itai, if it be your will. Leonard says, from this broken hill, we will sing to you, if it be your will.